Welcome to the Well Woman Show, where we interview women executives, leaders, and entrepreneurs. And you're listening to the Well Woman Show, where motivated women achieve fulfillment and well-being. You're listening to the Well Woman Show. Take time for myself by coming to things like Well Woman Drinks. To be accepting of myself no matter what. Step away from judgment as much as possible. You're listening to the Well Woman Show. Just, you're going to be in for a good ride. I don't regret anything. Everything I've ever done, I've learned from it, one way or another, good or bad. Being a little bit selfish for yourself, you know, put your own oxygen mask on first and then give what's left. I'm a woman. I would prefer to, to tell my own story. My story, though it's very personal, is universal. You're listening to the Well Woman Show. And now your host, Giovanna Rossi. Hi, Giovanna Rossi here, and welcome to another episode of The Well Woman Show, where I interview women leaders, executives, and entrepreneurs about their lives and their road to becoming and being who they are today. Do you ever find yourself overwhelmed with your responsibilities, and it seems like you'll never get it all done? Well, you're not alone. We all need to remember to use our superpowers, the ones we already have but don't use all the time and take advice and wisdom from one another. Towards the end of the show, in a segment called Superpowers for Success, I ask my guest about her superpowers, and the answers will give you the strength, perspective, and power to keep on being the well woman you are. I'm so happy you're here, so thanks for tuning in. The Well Woman Show is sponsored by Better Money Decisions, headed by two awesome women, Kate and Lorraine, who put your interests first when it comes to your money. They make sure your plan and your investments are tailored just for you. No financial jargon, no Wall Street double talk. Go to bettermoneydecisions.com slash wellwoman to get their new book for free. Today's topic is how to lead from behind, break through your limiting beliefs and get results. And hopefully by the end of the show, you'll be inspired to evaluate your leadership style, conquer some of your limits, and envision the results you want. My guest today is Gertrude Maché. Gertrude is an inspirational speaker who's been described as a vibrant bundle of African energy, whose zest and passion for life inspires everyone she meets. She's passionate about helping people achieve their full potential and find their individual life purpose. This makes her an energetic, inspirational, and enlightening speaker. She's written several books and is now a book writing coach. She's also been a featured TEDx speaker, and we will definitely link to that in the show notes. The free giveaway today is Crafting Your Leadership Identity. It's a workshop provided by a past guest, Tamara Thorpe. I love this giveaway because it helps you identify and craft your own leadership style. Just go to wellwomanlife.com slash 063 show to get that. Before we start the interview, I want to let you know about a couple of exciting things coming up. I'm going to be bringing you a series of interviews in May about women in business and how your location is important, regardless of whether you have an online business or a brick and mortar business. So what do you consider when deciding where to live? If you have a business or you're wanting to start one, what about your location is important to you? I'll be sharing my experience as a business owner, mom, and leader in Albuquerque, New Mexico, and talking with other women business owners about their experiences in uh, being a business owner and how that impacts where exactly they are located. So be sure to tune in for these special shows in May. And if you're not listening exactly when the show comes out, those will be 
shows, uh, let's see, I'll put the numbers in the show notes, but uh, basically they will be probably like 065 show, like 65, 66, 67, something like that. So you can check those out. Um, The other thing that's happening is that I'm going to be a speaker on the virtual ticket for podcast movement in August of this year. This is the gathering for anyone interested in or involved with podcasting. So I'm super thrilled and honored to be to have been chosen as a speaker for that. Uh, So be on the lookout for that too. Now to my interview with Gertrude Maché. I'm speaking with Gertrude Maché this morning. I am so pleased to have you on this show. Welcome to the program. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to talk to you because you have a really interesting background, as I mentioned in the introduction, Um, and you are also spearheading the Women's Economic Forum in uh, in New Mexico, but you're also part of it globally. So um, I want to hear about that. But to begin with, Gertrude, please tell the listeners what are you working on? What, what is your focus and your, your passion and how does it impact women's lives and well-being? Wow. So right now I'm working on a number of projects that are related to women's issues. Um, I'm currently working on a feature film, my first feature film here in New Mexico. That's why I moved here from New Zealand. And the backdrop to my story is the impact of the AIDS pandemic on us as Southern Africans. And especially for me, because I lost a young brother who died of AIDS in 2009. In New Mexico, I am working at the University of New Mexico as a lecturer in cinematic arts, and also spearheading a number of initiatives in Grenada, in New Zealand and Australia, by setting up women's cooperatives really introducing ways that women can become economically empowered by using their skills, natural skills like sewing and knitting or jewelry making and showing them a way that they can sell their product internationally. Wow. Okay. You're really busy. (laughs) I try to keep busy. Yes. (laughs) I mean, that's a lot. So um, let's take the women's co-op cooperatives right now, just for another minute. Um, How do you organize those in a different country while you are here? It's really strange because the Granada opportunity showed up when I was there. So I travel a lot as a speaker and I was in Granada in January and was approached by the Ministry of Culture when the Minister of Culture had come to one of the presentations I had given. And so they hired me to help them set up some women's cooperatives. And as you know, I am from New Zealand. So my base is really with the indigenous women of New Zealand and Australia. And some of these projects are ongoing, some of them are new. And I get to go back to New Zealand two or three times a year because my family is there. And I keep in touch with these projects and I groom project managers to take over once I've helped them set it up. Wow. Okay. And do you have a, like a team that helps you or how do you, um, you know, how, how do you sort of 
make all this happen? Is it you he doing is. everything or do you have... He can't do it without a team. <laughs> so in every country, I create an advisory committee. So it's a group of women who step up really and want to be actively involved. And if we've got a project that we're trying to put together, I try and assess the women based on their skills and their passion. And they take on aspects of the projects that they feel they could really add the best value. Mm. So it's just about working with teams. Definitely. And so um, what, how would you describe your leadership style? Because it, it takes a, a, a unique and strong leader to lead these teams uh of volunteers and, and well, I'm assuming some of them are volunteers and some of them aren't, but, um, you know, to lead, to lead people and manage that, how, how would you describe your leadership style? I would say that I've learned to manage from behind. Um, I've always found that the more you can give people responsibility, the more you can empower them. So we basically create a project as a collective so that the dream and the vision is shared from inception. Um, A lot of people lead with their own ideas and concepts of what's possible. And then the project fails because you didn't have buy-in from the whole team. Mm. So that's one of the things I've, I've learned to do really effectively, especially having worked on a number of projects in Africa that have failed Um, when people come in the form of aid, wanting to empower people in Africa, then the projects don't work because the concepts and the ideas were never brought together collectively with the people that you serve. Yes, we've seen that happen a lot, haven't we, with aid organizations coming into different communities and saying, "We, we want, you know, we envision this here, here's a bunch of money and here's, you know, make it happen. And then it just doesn't work. It doesn't. It doesn't. A lot of aid organizations fail in the developing world because of that. So when you say you manage from behind and you get buy-in, you clearly have a vision of your own and, and you have goals of what you want to achieve and, and how you want to impact lives. So Describe how you let go of some of your own agenda in order to lead from behind and empower women and get that buy-in. I've always been pleasantly surprised um, when I let go of my ideas and work with a whiteboard with a couple of concepts and ideas and watching the idea evolve through the group. Um, Because I have a lot of fantastic ideas, but in every country I work in, I've come to realize that I don't know the dynamics on the ground and the challenges that might come up with every idea that I come up with. And so when I go into a situation, I normally just go in with a whiteboard and a pen and talk about what I think might work and then get the group to give me the feedback in terms of how that could be possible or not. So I I never go in with a fixed concept or idea. I've just learned to be very flexible. Mm. And like I say, I'm always pleasantly surprised at what the women that I'm trying to empower and support come up with themselves. 
Yeah, that's so important because I think as strong women leaders, sometimes we are attached too much to our agenda and our vision, and we don't allow for that um, to organically, you know, happen. It becomes a weakness. Mm -hmm. It becomes a weakness. So this is very interesting. I think this will be really helpful for a lot of the listeners of this show who are leaders already, who are leading projects. Um, you know, on the Well Woman Show, we talk about women being leaders in all aspects of their lives, in their families, in their professional lives, in the community. And so learning about leadership and leadership skills is so important, no matter what we're doing or, or whether we define ourselves as leaders. Um, so that that's very helpful. And I want to bring that into the um, topic of the Women's Economic Forum, which is a global organization. And I, I'd love for you to talk more about that. And then we'll we'll also get into sort of what you're doing here in New Mexico. Okay, well, I, I basically got involved with the Women's Economic Forum beginning of this year. Um, somebody who heard me speak at a conference in Rome last year put my name forward as a speaker. And so I attended the Hague and the London uh, Women's Economic Forum. And I was just so inspired at being in a room full of women who had a common vision, common goals, sharing and discussing ideas about our economic empowerment. But what kind of left me flat when I came back home was, wow, I'd love to bring this to New Mexico and do it in such a way that in every country that I take the forum, the women create something big, create something magical as a collective. So I came back to New Mexico, the university sponsored the venue when I asked if I could put together a conference and everything has kind of fallen into place in a very, very magical way. Can you, Gertrude, can you just talk a little bit about the uh, Women's Economic Forum globally and what, what is that? What's the point and, and what, what happens for people that might not be familiar with it? Okay, so this organization was started in India in 2013 by Dr. Habeen Arora. And she had a vision to create a platform where women could one, connect, two, inspire, three, collaborate by fostering empowering conversations and connections worldwide. And it has spread um, to 18 countries and as the women come to the different countries, you find that you make business connections, you make friendship connections. It's a very spiritual, nonprofit, collaborative concept that is very, very unique um, in terms of organizations that I've seen in the past. And so that's why I was really drawn to the Women's Economic Forum. And Gertrude, what, how can women participate in the Women's Economic Forum globally if they can't go there in person? Like you talked about going to The Hague and all these countries. Um, it might sound overwhelming to some people who can't travel that far. Is there some way to be involved that doesn't require traveling? Or That's a very good question because what we've decided to do is to live stream a lot of the presentations. So... Mm. 
The presentation format is very similar to a TED Talk style, where every hour there's a panel of six to eight speakers discussing a certain topic or an issue. And we are going to make an attempt to allow people to register online or to get access to the recordings after the Women's Economic Forum on an online platform. Oh, awesome. Okay, that's great. That's that's wonderful. And you know, you you have a very well known TED talk uh, that we'll link to in the show notes. I just wanted to mention that because we you mentioned being a speaker and and now we you just referred to TED talks. So I wanted to call that out and let listeners know that they can check out her TED talk, which is amazing. Um, and we'll put that in the show notes. Um, Thank but, you for that. Yeah. So Gertrude, I want to um, talk uh, ask you about. Um, this the, the idea of limiting beliefs. So, you know, sometimes as women as and leaders, we have these limiting beliefs that actually prevent us from um, taking part, participating, getting in there, being a speaker, putting ourselves out there, uh, and stepping into leadership roles. And you know, hearing you talk about, oh, I just, you know, I started at the beginning of this year, and I, I went to the Hague, and I went here and there and everywhere. And uh, you know, knowing you um, somewhat the way I do, and he- having heard some of your stories, you just seem to be able to overcome those limiting beliefs. And so I wanted you to talk about that and maybe t- give us some tips about how you overcome that. And, you know, really the the core question is, is why do you, you know, how do you think you can do this? Because you can, clearly. <laughs> and and why do you think you can do it? And, and, and how, how do you get, you know, get over that barrier? I think one of my biggest gifts is being able to see the end results of things very, very clearly. Like if there is an idea, if there is um, a desire that I have and I, I feel passionately about it, I believe that because I have that in my soul, I can make it happen. And I think what holds a lot of people back is they start off by thinking with how am I going to do it? They start with how. And when you start with how, you then look at your resources and you tell yourself, I don't have the money, I don't have the time, I don't have the skills, I don't have, I don't have, I don't have. And a lot of people kill their own dreams before they even start. So I just get very clear what it is that I want. And the minute I decide to do something, mountains seem to move out of the way. It's a very, very magical way to live. Um, I've had a lot of people who, when I decided to bring this event to New Mexico, told me that this wasn't possible. And so I decided to call the conference theme, making the impossible possible. (laughs) Nice. Because I could see the possibility of it. I just had to inspire enough other people around me to see it too. And I think I managed to do that effectively. Because sometimes you might have a vision and a dream in your head, but until you can articulate it and communicate it to somebody else effectively, it does seem a daunting challenge. Mm. So I'm very selective in terms of who I share my dreams with. 
I'm very selective in terms of when I reveal what those dreams are because ideas and dreams and visions are like seeds. You have to give them time to incubate. You have to keep watering them until they break ground and you can say to somebody else, this is what I'm seeing, and then it becomes real. So I, I'm very protective of my dreams. It's like being pregnant. If you're pregnant, you nurture that baby, you care for it, you make sure nothing happens to it. And that's what we should be doing as human beings when we have a vision and a passion to do something. Okay, but there's a delicate balance between protecting it too much and not putting it out there and, and protecting it the right amount in order to, you know, get it out there. So what is that like for you? The balance for me is... I found that there is power in articulating and saying things out loud because everything is vibration. An idea is vibrating in your head. And the minute you put it into the ether, it becomes tangible. It's almost on a quantum physics level. Just writing something down on a piece of paper brings it into physical reality. And yes, you don't want to limit yourself too much in terms of protecting it. But I have now got a group of people around me who know me well, who know that I get up to really crazy things that don't make rational sense to most people, who I am able to go to and, and talk to when I, when I have an idea that I want to, to bring to life. So with time, you, you develop people around you who can support your visions and your dreams and they become your go-to people when you want to manifest something. Yeah, that's so important to have those people around you because you can share your dream with someone that is just, just the wrong timing or the wrong person, and they can really put a damper on things. Very much so. And that's why I'm saying being selective in terms of who you share that vision with is a crucial part of, of this equation. How Okay, so for listeners to get very specific here, how do you decide on who those people are going to be? Well, with time, I developed a knack of picking up somebody who can see it or not. So the minute I say I want to have a conference in, at the end of February and it's going to happen at the end of May, the minute somebody says to me, that's impossible, that, that's a big daunting task. I know not to go any further with discussing it with that particular individual because they don't see it and they don't get it. And they can't see the possibility. And it's not that I blame them, it's just the way that they're wired. I have just been conditioned to dreaming really big my whole life. Mm. Yeah, I just want to pick up on that. I think when people say, you know, oh, no, that's impossible. That's, that's more about them, not about you. So it, it's a statement about their own possibilities, not about whether you really can make that happen. So just kind of ending the conversation and moving on is really probably very effective. <laughs> yes, you've hit on a very good note, because it is their limiting beliefs that they're imposing on you. Yeah. And if we take that on with you, right, we have to make sure we don't take that on. Exactly, exactly. Okay, so you decided at the end of February, you're going to put on this uh, 
Women's Economic Forum in New Mexico in May. It's May 22nd and 23rd. For those listeners who are in New Mexico or near New Mexico, you can, uh, you can attend still, still, there's still time to register and we'll put the link in the show notes, um, for you. But Gertrude, talk a little bit about the, uh, what, what you've got going on here, May 22nd and 23rd. May 22nd and May 23rd, we will have a panel of speakers from all over the world. Um, right now, we have 56 speakers registered, and we are still taking on more speakers. And our topics range from domestic violence to PTSD. We have a group of female uh, veterans who are coming in to speak. We have a whole program around financial literacy for women. And then some of the more less tangible things like peace and how to survive in this current situation we're in where world peace is a, is a big issue. We are also bringing in a lot of young people who will discuss topics that are relevant to the millennials. Um, Suicide, depression, communication with that particular dem demographic is an issue. And also things like social media and the impact of social media globally. We've tried to focus some of our presentations on issues that relate to women in New Mexico. Uh, there's a lot of human trafficking in New Mexico. The issues of the indigenous Native American people discrimination within the Pueblos and externally. Um, we've also incorporated an aspect of agriculture because a lot of the women that we are serving here in New Mexico are in rural communities. And we've also tried to encourage young high school students on the Pueblos to work on all forms of creative expression around the arts. Art and culture is a big part of this part of America and just trying to see how we can foster and encourage young people who are artistic to create careers around their intuitive gifts as well. Mm. So we, we have a whole range of, um, of topics that will be discussed. Okay, cool. And as I said, we'll put the link so that people can register um, on it, online in our show notes. And uh, that again, that's May 22nd and 23rd for those of you listening to the show as it goes out. Um, and Gertrude, I want to go into our segment called Superpowers for Success and ask you a few quick questions. The first one is, what does success in life mean to you? Oh, success in life to me means being able to live my life as a full expression of me. Um, I have had several businesses. I have been married and recently divorced. And I measure my levels of success in terms of how I feel about myself as a person. I've learned not to allow outside judgments of people affect me too much, although it's not easy to do that all the time. But my measure of success is really the impact that I have on those around me. Mm. The impact that I have when I give a presentation or a speech. The impact that I have when somebody sends me an email and says, Gertrude, I met you on this day. 
this is what I did after I met you and my life has been magical. So I try and sprinkle as much magic around the world as I can. (laughs) And that's a good segue to the next question, which is, when did you know that you were really good at what you do? At a very early age, fortunately, um, I started speaking and acting and taking part in all things where I used my voice when I was 15. I started winning public speaking competitions in high school when I was a junior in high school, I was competing in the senior section. And that had turned into a career. So I was very, very fortunate that I found it at a very early age and developed it at a very early age. Although for most of my working life, I was stuck in a job in IT. It was something that I kept falling back on. And then it turned into a career when I was in my 30s, my late 30s. Mm. Okay. And describe one personal habit that contributes to your well-being. I write down my visions and my dreams every day. I am the first thing in the morning after I meditate or last thing in the evening before I go to sleep. I also have a habit of taking note of the little blessings um, that come to me on a daily basis Mm. and just live in a a sphere of gratitude, I guess, for all of the good things that come because they do outweigh the bad things that come at me on a daily basis as well. Yeah. When those bad things come, how do you... uh how do you respond? How, where, where do you get that resilience? And what does that look like? How do you my grandmother, my grandmother helped me develop that too at another at a very early age, she used to say that every day comes with a blessing or a teaching. The good things are your blessings, the bad things are just your teachings, you're supposed to learn something from it. So when things go wrong, I kind of sit back, I reflect, and I try and find the lesson in each of those things. Mm. And that really helped me look at it and reframe the so-called bad things in a better way. Yeah. One of the top issues women tell me they struggle with is finances, which is why I want you to call my friends at Better Money Decisions. The company is owned by women, Lorraine L. and Kate Stalter, and they make sure your plan and your investments are tailored just for you. They're fiduciaries and put your interests first. No financial jargon, no Wall Street double talk. Also, they have a gift for Well Woman Show listeners, their free book, Don't Let Your Money Kick the Bucket Before You Do. And it's all about the need to manage your money for a long life expectancy. You can download the entire book at bettermoneydecisions.com slash wellwoman. And you'll also get a free portfolio diagnostic so you can tell if your investments are right for you. Just go to bettermoneydecisions.com slash wellwoman. And Gertrude, what superpower did you discover you had only to realize it was there all the time? My voice. Mm. I think my voice has to be my strongest superpower. I, I realize that I have a voice that connects with people of all levels it connects with men, women, and children. And just how some people can stand on stage and sing and mesmerize people when they perform, 
I have that ability just through talking. Mm. Okay, and Catherine, what advice would you give your 25-year-old self? I would tell her to never hold back. If there is anything she wants to do in life, she should step out even if it feels fearful. Feel the fear and do it anyway. And never regret having never tried. Die trying. Mm. And do you identify as a feminist? I think in a way I do. Um, most of my work has been around women and women's issues, the injustices that I see, especially in my society, in my culture, and, and globally. So, yes. And last question, what are you reading right now? What's on your nightstand? In terms of reading books? Yeah. Uh, the book I'm reading right now is called A Return to Love. Oh, yes. Marianne Williamson? Yes, absolutely fascinating book. And it's not the first time I've read it. I'm, I'm rereading it. <laughs> yeah, sometimes you do need to reread things, don't you, that are just that impactful. You do. Well, Gertrude, it's been a pleasure speaking with you. I'm so glad you were able to come on the show today. Thank you so much. It's an absolute pleasure. And thank you so much for this opportunity for me to connect with your, your listeners. That's it for our show today. I've been speaking with Gertrude Maché. She's an inspirational speaker who has been described as a, a, a bundle of African energy whose zest and passion for life inspires everyone she meets. She is organizing the Women's Economic Forum, which is a global organization. She's organizing the conference in New Mexico in May, May 22nd to 23rd. And we'll include information about that in the show notes, wellwomanlife.com slash 063 show. All the links to register as a speaker or register as a participant will be on the show notes page, wellwomanlife.com slash 063 show. Our monthly live event, Well Women Drinks, brings women together to share our successes and challenges as women leaders, moms, aunts, sisters, and all the other roles we carry. If you'd like to attend a Well Woman Drinks near you, or if there isn't one in your city yet and you'd like to start one, email me at info at wellwomanlife.com. If you enjoyed the show, please take a moment and subscribe in iTunes and leave a review. This really helps raise visibility for the show and helps us share it with women who may not know that it's out there. You can also continue the conversation in the Well Woman Life community group at wellwomanlife.com slash Facebook. For feedback, comments, or just to let me know you were listening today, find me on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Well Woman Life. I'm Giovanna Rossi for The Well Woman Show. Until next time, have a super powerful week. <laughs>